When I was a kid, I loved the music part of church, and I hated when the guy got up there and talked. So today would be like my worst nightmare. <laughs> Two guys in one morning! So if that's what you're feeling right now, I understand. We wanted to give you one very concrete action step that you could take this week that would lead you toward being in that immersive community. If you've been coming to the church for a little bit and you're here once or twice a month or less or more, but you haven't joined a small group yet, that would be one really concrete thing you could do because it gets you out of these rows and into a circle where you can talk and actually get to know people on a deeper level. But for a lot of us, there's another step after that that we've got to take, that we've got to take. Raise your hand if you're in a small group right now. Raise it real high. Raise your hand. Keep it up. Raise your hand if you're in men's ministry or women's ministry. Keep them all up. We're just going to see how many are in here. So if you raise your hand, keep it up this whole time. Raise your hand if you are part of the kids' ministry or youth ministry. Raise your hand if you're in some other kind of discipleship relationship with somebody where you're trying to grow spiritually together, like a Bible study, men's Bible study, women's Bible study. Okay, so look around the room. So this is a lot of us, a whole lot of us. You can put your hands down. And you can, like Nick said, there's a moment or a, or a something that happens where you become immersed in something to the point that it actually starts to change you. And if you've ever been a part of a small group, you know you can go to a small group for a long time without it really making an impact on you. So there is a step that you can take that I'm gonna put in front of you, and a lot of you, it's gonna be really scary. Like, okay, if that's the price of growing in community, I'm not paying that price. And some of you might go, ooh, I I would like to do that, but I don't know if I can. But this is not all of being formed in community, but this is the logical step one. And for a lot of you, it's the step you haven't taken yet in your group or, or friend relationship or whatever. You ready to see it? Suspense is building, right? Everyone's on the edge of their seat. This is it. That this week you would have a come to Jesus confession session. I've been doing kids ministry so long, I don't even notice when I rhyme anymore. It just happens. I was just writing and I was like, oh wow, I didn't even realize I just did that. Because that's all I do with the kids. Have a come to Jesus confession session. Here's what I mean by that. If there's something in your life, in your behavior, in your mind, in how you feel, in your actions, that you're thinking in your head, man, I really would not want my church friends to know about that. I would really not want my church community to know about that. I would really not want my small group to know about that. I would really not want my Christian friend to know about that. That's the thing you share at a come to Jesus confession session. This is, in my experience, the most catalytic thing that you can possibly do to actually start being changed by the community that you're in. Now, maybe nothing immediately comes to mind for you of that thing that you don't want church people to know about. There may be something, if you think a little bit harder, that would be good to share with the people around you. But let's just say you're, you know, this close to being as righteous as Jesus and there's nothing big you got to share with your group which is not many of us, but your job then becomes to encourage this out of other people, 
to be the weird one in the group, in your small group that raises their hand and goes, okay, remember that thing we talked about on Sunday, the come to Jesus confession session thing? I think we should do that. And your small group leader's like, That becomes your job to draw that out of other people and lead them into that. Why is this so important? Because formation in community begins with confession in community. You can go to a small group for a long time and you will not be formed by it until there is transparency. You can be leading a group or part of a group and say, man, I really wish this was more impactful on the people around us. Until there is confession of transparency, Formation will not happen. Here's a verse to explain why that is. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If I could pick two verses from anywhere in the Bible to give a succinct, clear picture of what a formational community looks like, it would be right here. Imagine if this is what our church looked like, that when people were caught in sin, that they couldn't get out of, that there was people coming alongside them, restoring them. And look who's doing it in this verse. It's not the pastors. It's these four words. Let's read them right here. You who live by the Spirit. One more time. You who live by the Spirit. Anybody walking with Jesus can come alongside another person caught in sin and restore them, and not even in an abrasive way, but in a gentle way. That'd be amazing. And people that are carrying burdens may or may not be any kind of sin issue, but they've got something they're dealing with. There are people coming along them, carrying those burdens with them. This is what we're trying to get to. What does confession have to do with this? Eric, stand up. If I'm caught in sin... And Aerith is a spiritually substantive person, and he has the strength to lift me out of sin. He cannot do that if he does not know the sin I'm in. Do you see what I'm saying? Thank you, Aerith. You're going to have a seat. (laughs) Nick Forrester, stand up. If I've got a burden, and Nick, who's a strong man, can help me carry that burden. He is a strong man, spiritually. He's that exception, that 1% exception. (laughs) If I've got a burden and Nick doesn't know about it, Nick cannot help me carry it. Do you see what I'm saying? Thank you, Nick. You can have a seat. Give him a hand. Give these two a hand. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. If we don't know the sins, if we don't know the burdens, we cannot help each other carry them. We cannot form people in the areas that they haven't shared. Listen, no small group will feel safe enough. No people will feel trustworthy enough. No community will feel loving enough for this to seem easy. If you have stuff in your life that you don't want to share, there will be no group that feels easy to share it with. It will always feel impossible. And if you're in a group Leading people into this will never seem easy, no matter how much time you spend together. In fact, sometimes the more time you spend together, the harder it is to break through this barrier because everyone's used to their roles and the rhythm and the surface level relationships that you have. And being the guy or or woman that says, we got to take this a step deeper is not easy. But this is what we're called to because formation in community begins with confession and community. So that's our challenge to you this week, to have a come to Jesus confession session in your friendship, in your small group, in your Bible study. If you're in a co-ed small group, it's probably wise to split the group, men in one one room, women in the other, so you can really open up. 
Two steps, easy to get there. Two steps to make it easy to get there. Actually, let me go back. I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna say this. I was gonna skip it, but I'm not going to. Just gotta watch the clock. If you haven't done this in a while, or ever in your group, it is very easy to assume everybody's doing fine. Assume that everybody's doing well, because it's very easy to look like you're doing fine for 90 minutes, you sit in a small group or a part of a Bible study, especially if it's guided discussion around sermon questions or something like that, which is good, but it's very easy to put the face on and go home to chaos. So if you haven't done this in a while, this is likely some of the things going on in your small group. There is, it's, it's highly possible that there's a married couple in your small group that has slept in separate beds for the last year that there are people making plenty of money but are still up to their eyeballs in credit card debt, that there's a spouse who is sending inappropriate text messages to somebody from work and there's an an affair on the rise that hasn't been talked about. It's likely that there's somebody so hooked on pornography that they looked at it in the bathroom during small group the week before. There are people suffering under mental difficulties and they're going back and forth on whether or not to go on depression medication or anxiety medication. And then there's a lot of, you know, more common stuff that still needs to come into light just as much. People that are single and are really frustrated being single and really are worried that they're never going to get married or people that are frustrated about work or just family issues with extended family. There are so many things that if you don't be the person that stands up and says, we got to talk about this, They will never get addressed. The community cannot form something that it is not aware of or not talking about. So two steps, very quickly. First, you gotta admit you're afraid. All sorts of very sophisticated, logical sounding arguments to not do this are probably coming in most of your heads right now. And some of them might even sound really godly. So I wanna prepare you for what they're gonna say, whether it's you asking somebody else to share what's going on in their life or you sharing what's going on in your life. I know that you're afraid and I know what those thoughts are because I've dealt with this myself so much. I have confessed some heinous sin of my own in years past by the grace of God. I'm not in that phase anymore. Thank you, Jesus. But I was never able to confess without being absolutely terrified. And now two or three times a week, I'm sitting across from somebody and I'm asking them to share something that they don't want to share. And every single time I have one of those conversations, I am terrified. I don't want to do it. I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to ask it. So I know that that is likely in your head. Let me just say, it is not a sign of weakness if you are afraid. Weakness is not being afraid. Weakness is only if you let the fear dictate what you're going to do. If you're afraid and you do the thing you're afraid of, that's called courage and bravery and being a substantive Christian. So here's some of the things that are coming in your head. When, if you're knowing that God wants you to be the catalyst for this, to say, we're gonna go deep in our community, we're gonna open up, we're gonna talk. If you're supposed to be the catalyst for that, here's what you're gonna hear. You're gonna think, well, maybe it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict someone to share. It's not my job. Doesn't that sound so right? It just sounds so right. But Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey. If we're supposed to teach people to obey, that means in the moment they're not obeying. And when you're trying to teach someone who's not obeying to obey, they generally are not (laughs) going to be open to it naturally. So the Holy Spirit is the voice leading you towards this. The Holy Spirit is the voice leading you towards this person to invite them and be a safe person to ask them to open up and share. You're going to hear this. Maybe they're not ready to talk about it. 
Let me save you some time. They are definitely not ready to talk about it. They are absolutely not ready to talk about it. That's why you draw it out. That's why you encourage it. That's why you lead it. This is spiritual leadership 101. What if they get mad at me if I ask? Again, they will definitely get mad at you. I had that happen several times this week where I was like, we got some stuff we got to talk through. And they were like, ah! And people did that to Jesus all the time. People were always getting mad at Jesus for all sorts of different things. And a lot of it was this one. He would confront people's sin directly. Jesus was a direct, straight shooter. And he said, if you're doing this Christianity thing right, there's going to be people mad at you like fairly regularly. So that's okay if somebody gets mad at you. You're going to hear this. What if I don't know what to say? Let me give you a few things you should say every single time. And if you get these out, it can be pretty smooth sailing after that. If you ask someone to share and they share something that was hard for them to share, you say, thank you. I love you. I don't love you any less now that you shared this. And I or this community is going to stand with you and walk through the path with you until you are 100% free of whatever the thing is. Until the burden has been lifted, until the grieving process is over, until there is freedom, until the addiction has been broken. And then how you do that, you can work out as you go. But that's what someone who shares and confesses needs to hear from you right away. So that's what you say. That's step one. Admit you're afraid to ask. And if you need to share, you got to admit you're afraid to share. Here are some of the things you're going to think in your head real quick that you got to learn to say no to. I don't think they're ready. I don't think they're going to be ready for how bad my sin or my situation is. They will think less of me. I don't want to burden someone else with all my junk. I want to fix it on my own and tell them later. That last one especially I hear all the time. Yeah, I want to share about this struggle once I'm done with it. The Bible in James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other. There is no qualifier on that commandment. The Bible never said confess unless. Confess unless they might not be ready for it or unless they might think less of you or unless it might be a burden to someone or unless you can fix it on your own and then tell them later. The Bible says confess your sins to each other. This is the beginning of the process. You got to start with going, okay, I'm strong in a lot of areas of life and a lot of areas of my life are easy and I can succeed at work and I can succeed in all sorts of different ways, but this I'm scared to do. And then say no to the fear. Step two, you do it and you don't skip the last 10%. It can be very hard to go to your group and say, we're struggling in our marriage. We're struggling financially. We're struggling. I'm struggling with lust, that kind of thing. And the people listening to you, it's very easy and you might be in the situation to go, wow, thanks so much for sharing that. Let's wrap this conversation up and pray for you right now. <laughs> but the, Satan's grip lies in the last 10%. Satan's grip lies in the details. It's like Nick talked about last week. If you've wronged someone, you confess to them that you wronged them in the most humiliating way possible. The same principle is true if you're confessing something that wasn't a direct wrong against anyone in the group, but you're just bringing something to the light that you've been struggling with. You say... I look at pornography this often. I've been hooked on it this many years. I go to these websites and I need help. You say, this is how often we fight as a couple. This is how long it's been since we slept in the same room. The power for transformation lies in the confession of the 10%. Formation and community begins with confession and community. This is it. I mean, really, if you heard everything Nick said and you're like, yeah, 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 I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. 
This is the step to get there. There is no shortcut. You cannot be formed by a community that does not know you. A community cannot form a a person in that community if they don't know what's going on in that person's life. This is where church, like Nick also said in the book, this is where church moves from a nice religious organization to a family. A family that's growing together. And I just want to say, let this in your mind be worth it because it's the beginning of the journey. It's the beginning of a journey where you really know each other, where you really walk together, where all those one another's in the New Testament where they say love each other, encourage one another, build each other up, all of those things, the power of them just ramps up more than you could ever believe once there's actually vulnerability and transparency in the group and in the community. And maybe... By the grace of God, if we can walk together like this, if someone comes in from the outside and sees the way we live and sees the way we share and sees the way we walk together and not just that we share all our junk, but then we help each other to get better. Maybe they'll say, these people are very weird, but God is in this place. I've never seen community like this. I've never seen this kind of closeness outside of the community of faith. That's what we're inviting you, challenging you, asking you to do this week in whatever circle you're a part of, to be the catalyst, to say that thing on Sunday that rhymed, I think we got to do that. And your small group leader may not want to hear it, but you push for it. Or if you're in your heart right now, your heart is just pounding because you're like, I've got a thing I've been stuck in for years and I've never told anyone and I don't want anyone to know. You cross the bridge and you say, all right, help me out of this. Ben, you can come on up. I'm going to pray for courage and strength and perseverance. And again, if you, are, if you are not a Christian, this is not explicitly an invitation to you. You're welcome to go to a small group and share anything you want to. That'd be awesome. But this is how we as Christians are committed to doing life together. So I don't want to scare you off from, you're like, man, if I got to go to that church, they're going to tell me to share all my stuff and I am not ready for that. If you're not a Christian, you are maybe not ready for this. But for those of us who have committed to follow Jesus, this is part of the call of what it means to be in community. God, I thank you for this morning. I pray for the people that know this needs to happen in their group and maybe there's not a specific burden or sin weighing on them heavily, but they know we need to do this as a group. We need to start talking. We need to get real with each other. I ask that you would give them the courage to ask for it, to email their small group leader, to send them a text and say, let's get real this week. And for anybody here who has been stuck for years, and I believe there's a number of them in this room, I ask that this week would be their week of freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit, that this would be the beginning of their transformation, the beginning of their formation, because they bring that to the group and say, let's walk through this together. Let's stand.